0: Hello and welcome! You're listening to Start Again with Shauna Lee, the place where you will be reminded that it's never too late and you're never too old to do the damn thing. So stick around if you're ready to vibe higher and be inspired to chase your dreams. Together we will uncover your soul's truest desires. Now if you're ready, let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back. And listen, we are talking to another guy today. I am introducing you to Paul Trimmel, who is the author of many titles, which we will talk about. He's a sailor and a podcast host. I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. Paul, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So I love to give my guests an opportunity to just Dive right in with a quick bio. Tell us, you know, where you are in the world and what you do. Specifically, I love to hear how you've embraced this idea of starting again.
1: Yeah, sure. I am living a new life now. I kind of almost like being not religiously, but born again. Uh, I basically I quit drinking. That's what this how this all started. I quit drinking in 2015 and quit smoking pot a year later. And I needed a new life. I needed to step away from all that. And it ended up being sailing. I was basically just looking for substitutes. Like how what what can I do that's fun and exciting? Because it's kind of in the beginning of sobriety, it's kind of boring. All your hab all your hobbies are gone. You know, all all the things you used to do are suddenly gone. And you find yourself at home on Friday and Saturday nights, just golly, this I, I need something. I'm missing a whole lot right now. So I started sailing and I loved it. I fell in love with it big time. And at the same time in my life, I started writing and I came to realize, okay, the hardest part about trying to live on a sailboat nomadically is how do you make money? Well, all of (laughs) a sudden my books started selling and I thought, well, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And some of my favorite books were by sailors who were sailing and writing books about sailing. (laughs) So that's what I wanted to do. That was my dream. I want to sail to interesting places and write books about them, write books about about sailing, and the adventures, and the places I've been to. And that's what I've been doing uh, for the past five or six years, just sailing full-time. Right now, I'm in Panama. I'm in Bocas del Toro, Panama. I'm from Florida, but I don't live anywhere anymore besides my boat. I don't have a house. I don't, have any, I don't own anything that's not with me right now on the boat. So my address, my official IRS is my sister's house. I don't live there at all.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about your podcast.
1: Okay. I have been running offshore sailing and cruising with Paul Trammell for three years and uh, yeah, I interview other sailors for the most part and just talk about adventures and talk about anything that other sailors can learn from their experiences and their adventures and their sometimes from their mishaps and sometimes from their successes. And sometimes it's just because somebody has been somewhere interesting and I want to talk about Greenland or Nova Scotia or, or Tahiti or wherever they've been. And other times it's because they lost their boat, you know, their boat sank or something. And I want to talk about why and how other people can avoid that. Uh, And then and then after three years of doing that, I mean, I'm still doing it. And the podcast has uh, been a success. But after three years, I've decided that uh, I want to interview other people as well. And so I Mm. just started a new one and it's called Dream Chasers and Eccentrics. And the idea behind that one is to interview people. Yeah, I want to interview people who have chased a dream and done something interesting with their lives, designed their own lives, not lived a, the standard life that was prescribed to them by society or their parents. And uh, yes, yeah, so that one's underway. I'm going to post, uh, I was just editing the the very first episode right before this interview. So yeah, that's coming well, up. I
0: love that. It really speaks to uh, a lot of the similar stories that I'm highlighting on this podcast, which is people starting something new, sometimes later in life, when you feel like, Maybe it's too late. Maybe I'm too old to do this thing that's been calling to me in the back of my mind. And we are highlighting those stories about people who have done just that and chosen to start something new and start again. So I love it. It sounds like you're doing some of the same stuff.
1: A similar idea, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, so when you look at your story and kind of the path you took to get where you are now, what do you think inspires you most about it?
1: Let's see. My, what inspires me about my own story? I think it's all about being able to to look at yourself from outside the box and say to yourself, "I want something different." You know, the way things are right now is not ideal, and and I want something different. And it, and it might be because the way things are are not ideal, or it might be because you realize you're going in a direction that somebody else prescribed for you maybe even just society. Maybe you're just going down the road that everybody on television is doing or or everybody on social media or whatever. And you never really sat down and thought about what do I really want? What do I love to do? What's going to make me happy? Because you don't have to have any sort of standard life. There's all different kinds of ways to live your life. And that's what I did. I decided you know, I lived in a house for a long time. I never had a standard life though. I was a musician for 20 years and that's all I wanted to do was perform. And I never had a family. I've never been married. I've had a whole bunch of different jobs, but I've never had a real career. I just wanted to be a musician. I wanted to be a rock star, you know, <laughs> I chased that dream mm-hmm. for a long mm-hmm. time. and It was fun. I mean, those are great memories, but at some point I, I came to realize, okay, this is a very self-destructive path and the dream's kind of over you're not going to ever be big time the dream faded and a new one started and i saw that new dream and i thought this is it this is what i'm going to be yeah i'm 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 not going to be a musician anymore i'm going to be a writer and a sailor and uh, and i tell you what it it's it really has been a success as far as making me happy i came to realize that what really all the things that i did in life that made me happy were either some sort of adventure or creativity, or being outside in nature, or all three, and that's what my whole life is now. I, I I live in nature. I'm I'm surrounded by it. I'm in a boat. I'm in a sailboat, off, living at anchor. I'm not in a marina. I'm not attached to land. I'm at anchor. It's surrounded by islands. Surrounded by water and islands and other sailboats. So I'm directly in nature. I'm nomadic. I'm creative, and every day is an adventure. I mean, if you want. If you're sitting here on the boat at any moment and you think to yourself, yeah, I just haven't had enough adventure today. All you have to do is put on a mask and go jump in the water, you know, or jump in the yeah. hop in the dinghy and grab a mask and snorkeling fence or a surfboard or fishing the rod and go somewhere. It's all around us out here waiting for us. So I thought about I the love things that, that made me happy. And, and I, then I designed a life so that I could do those things.
0: Around it. Yeah. Well, and you're hitting on three things that we circle back around to a lot here, and that is creativity, nature, and what actually makes you happy. And I think this idea of success, it isn't about how much money you're making or the car you drive or the house you live in. It's about how happy you are and your fulfillment in your life is really how we should be measuring success.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. We need. Enough money to survive and keep up our whatever life we're living. But anytime you, you're chasing numbers in life, you're kind of going down a, 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 the wrong road, in my opinion. If numbers in the bank account are what's important to you, then you need to reevaluate. What's important is having enough money to buy food and pay the bills and, and stay alive. But what's more important is living a life that makes you happy. You know, I, I'm here living in. I mean, I'm below the poverty level as far as how much money I make, but I make enough to get by and to, to support this lifestyle. And I'm happy every day. You know, I don't need, I don't need more than this. I, I've just, I've figured out what I need and what I don't need and yeah. how I can be happy. And I mean, I, I guess I'm always figuring those things out, but I make a point to try to figure them out instead of just... Well,
0: and I think it can change, right? This is what I tell people all the time. You can always change your mind. So what makes you happy today may not be what makes you happy. 2 weeks from now or 2 years from now and that's okay as long as you know what it is and that's what you're finding in your life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my my life changes dramatically every now and then. I've been through various very dramatic changes. There's no need to ever stay the course just for the sake of staying the course. You know, I think yeah. uh, old George Bush taught us that lesson. When he coined the phrase stay the course, there's no need to just stay the course for the sake of staying the course. It's more important to constantly make the right decision whenever presented with an option.
0: Yeah. And I think what's really cool about your story is you are showing people this one really important thing that I think people forget when they say, I want to be an author. I want to, you know, quit my job and start my own business. Everyone's afraid of how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to earn the same amount of money that I was earning before? Because they feel like that's the minimum standard in their life. And what I found when, and I think this is probably your experience as well, is when I actually looked at what I was spending and where I was spending it and adjusted what I actually need, that lowered the bar in terms of what I needed to earn. And that opens the doors for all sorts of possibilities from there. When you realize, oh, wait, I don't actually need to earn $100,000 a year in order to be happy and support my family. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that probably doesn't get Highlighted enough in entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, to, to reduce your needs and wants is just as effective as making more money, and it's actually a better thing to do because you don't ever want to be making money just to supply an artificial desire. You know, the, the less you, the less things, material things you desire, the, the happier you're going to be in the end. And, and judging, and it's never good to judge yourself based on a number. Whatever that yeah. may be, and you know, and we're we're talking about money right now, but there's other numbers you can judge yourself on, and and it's never really a good idea.
0: Oh, for sure, and I mean, listen, a lot of women do this with our weight, and those are the numbers we pay the most attention to more than the money in our bank account. And I think you're right; it's never good to judge ourselves based on numbers. So one of the things we talk about a lot on this show is our lessons that we learn throughout this journey called life. And what I've noticed when I look back at a series of lessons is there's usually a pattern. And so one of the things I like to ask my guests is, when you look back on your journey, what's the common theme in each of
1: your lessons? The common theme in each of my lessons. So we're talking about lessons that I've learned in life. I think, I mean, one common theme that comes to mind right away is health. You know, my own Mm. personal health. You know, the big lesson that I learned in 2015 was that, I was destroying my health for no good reason through alcohol and drug use. That's basically an artificial desire, alcoholism, drug use. It's an artificial desire that, you, that, that has happened to you for whatever reason it's happened, but it's not a, a real desire. You don't actually get happy when you do drugs. You, you, you do in the very beginning. I mean, it's just the same with cigarettes or alcohol or a pot or any of them, and I'm basically talking about addictive behavior here. This doesn't necessarily apply to hundred percent of people, but you know, the first time you have a it's cigarette, really for instance, yeah, the first time you have a cigarette, I mean, cigarettes, it does apply to everybody. <laughs> they're, they're a totally worthless drug. Yeah, the first one feels good. You get a buzz within weeks of starting the habit. You're no longer getting a buzz from the cigarettes. You're simply getting normal. You're going from worse than normal to normal, and then as it gets even deeper and deeper, you're going from really sick to not quite as sick, but still sick. And it's the same with alcoholism or, you know, I was a chronic pot smoker too. When i say chronic all day, every day. You're not getting high anymore. You're just satisfying a, a, a need that you've created and you have to pay for it. You're going to be, ha- you'd be happier. I'm happier without by far, but, but you know, I don't smoke weed at all anymore. And I'm happy with that. And I'm not talking about somebody who, who dabbles in weed once a week or a month or whatever. I'm talking about like chronic every day, smoking. Um, you're definitely satisfying an artificial desire and you're ruining your health and you're spending money on it. So that's definitely a theme in my decision making and, and changes in my life. I've also discovered that I, my body functions on a high level if I do yoga every morning. Mm. Now, I maintain an ath- athletic lifestyle. I live on the boat, I free dive. I spearfish, I sail, and I surf. And I surf waves of consequence and I'm over 50. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do that if I wasn't doing yoga. So that's another health based theme um, in my decision, my uh, life changing, life changes and decisions. (laughs) I I hope I'm answering your question.
0: You are. And I love it. Um, And, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about addiction on this show, but I have some sometimes unpopular opinions about addiction, because I have often said to people, it doesn't matter what the thing is. We can be talking about sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever. It's what's underneath that. People want to say, oh, he's an alcoholic and it's hereditary and that's the thing that's the problem. And I'm like, no, that what caused the alcoholism what caused him to reach out and numb his feelings with whatever the things are, that's the problem, that underlying thing. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of unpopular. People want to just point to the symptom. And I'm like, the symptom is not the problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. And they have, both sides have a point in that debate because there's definitely a genetic potential to be genetically predisposed to alcoholism, but that doesn't mean you're born an alcoholic. That means you've got a better chance of becoming one biologically, but you're not. But you're not going to unless, you're, you're, unless you have a reason to want to get drunk every day. And, that's, and the underlying problem is what you have to figure out. And that's something I still wonder about it myself. I mean, I'm able to stay sober. I'm eight years sober now. But I don't know. I still don't know why I wanted to be intoxicated all day, every day. You know, what am I running from? What am I trying to hide from? Well, I, I still don't know the answer to that question. And I, and I would like I, to find I, out.
0: My unpopular opinion is it all comes down to these underlying emotions that we're running away from. And um, I suspect the answer is that you've found the solution in your healthier um, alternatives, right? You found a way Mm -hmm. to connect back to yourself, probably process. Listen, all that physical activity that you're talking about, you're you're releasing energy when you do those things. And yoga is, I mean, amazing because it lets us move energy out of our bodies. And not only is it like, yes, it's good for our flexibility and our strengths and all of this as we age, but yoga's got a mindfulness aspect to it, which connects our mind and our bodies and our hearts and our spirits. And I think that's what draws people to it because it's a very healing practice, even if you think you're just moving your body to get stronger and more flexible.
1: Yeah, you're right. It is a mind-body exercise for sure. And, and as you were saying that, I was sort of answering my own question about my, my issues. Yeah, definitely one of the things I was trying to escape from was the fact that I lived cut off from nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that to me, that just means in a house with a road outside and telephone poles and there's houses all around me and a town all around me. And there's no... Real nature. There might be birds in the trees, but there's no like healthy, real ecosystem around me. Yeah. There is right now. You know, like the ocean is the world's biggest wilderness area and it's, I'm always on it now.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, human beings are m- built on connection. So we're supposed to be connected to one another, but also connected to Earth. And I think a lot of our current modern day society is focused on this disconnection from earth. And so that's, I think, why people are being drawn to nature. I, you know, love to go camping mm-hmm. or I love to whatever the thing is that it's because you're outside and you're being connected back to mother earth that I think is the the connection that we're desiring. So that connection piece you solved by living on a boat.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is the, the sort of life that I always kind of desired. I, I always had like dreams of living in the woods. I always thought that it would someday I would live in the woods, you know, in a forest, uh, in the mountains, or maybe even a jungle. Um, I, but this is it, you know, this is it, it's the ocean. That's what it, that's, I mean, that's what I found that I was able to do. You know, you can live out here on a boat. You don't have to own land. You don't have to build a house. You know, you can be nomadic and you can be on the ocean and you can move from place to place and, and you can you know, like last summer, I was in the fjords of Newfoundland. It's uninhabited wilderness that comes right to the ocean. Hundreds of miles of uninhabited wilderness. It's incredible. This last winter, I was in the Bahamas. Lots of uninhabited islands there. Just pure wilderness. Now I've got a town that's not too far away and people around, but it's a gorgeous place here too. It's jungle and mountains. You know, I sit up on the deck of the boat and do yoga and meditate in the morning and there's a, a big mountain range right in view. You know, The mountains that run through Panama are like Eight 9,000 feet tall. And, you know, they dominate the southwestern horizon here. It's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. That it sounds incredible. It's definitely what I was missing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely what I was missing.
0: Well, and you talked to this. So you're touching on this sense of adventure that I think most of us need and crave and miss. And connecting to nature, yes. The one piece that I do wonder about for you is how do you stay connected to other human
1: beings? Okay, so that's a good question. I sail solo. I'm a solo sailor. there's no, nobody else on my boat, and that that works for me. I'm happy alone most of the time. I don't want to be alone all the time, though, so right. The thing about sailors and sailing is it's a community. We're all part of the same sort of I mean, might brotherhood, you know, I don't want to genderize yeah. it? <laughs> you call it a sisterhood or brotherhood. Yeah you yeah. can take your you can we all kind of anchor in the same areas. There's usually someone else anchored. In the same place I am. It's a rare that I'm anchored all by myself. Right now, for instance, there's probably eight other boats, not too not far away from me. And at any point, I can get in my little dinghy and drive over to a boat that I don't know and just say hello. And most of the time, they're going to invite you aboard and you make a new friend. And then I love it. And then you find people who have the same interest as you. Uh, and here, for instance, there's a lot of people that, that surf and there's always people that free dive and spearfish and I find them and we go surfing together. And we, so right now there's three or four boats right here anchored around me that are friends of mine, friends that I made here. Yeah. And we do things together. Uh, so if I want to not be alone, like yesterday, last evening, um, I noticed one of my friends go over to another friend's boat. I saw two dinghies, at one boat, and I thought, oh, they're hanging out. I'd mm-hmm. kind of like to hang out too. So I get in my boat and yeah. I go over there and Hanging out, and they gave me dinner, and so I can do that at any point. And then there's other ways. I have I've always had some sort of internet. I just recently got Starlink. You know, I podcast. That's part of the podcast too. Every week, I make a new friend on the podcast. I Mm -hmm. interview another sailor, and we talk for an hour and share all their all. You know, they share all their stories with me, and it's inevitably at the end of the hour, I've got a new friend. And sometimes it's like a real contact that turns into something. Yeah, I mean, one of them turned into a a book. You know, I co-wrote a book with another oh, sailor. Oh, that's amazing. Ta- Tapio Lett him. Uh, he had sailed around the world in a race by himself. And we talked about that in the podcast. And then later he asked me to co-write the book with him about it. And uh, that, that book's called On a Belt of Foaming Seas. It's really one of the fav- my favorite projects. Because um, I got to read his log. He gave me his log from the journey. It was 322 days alone at sea, oh, sailing wow. around the world. And this was a slow race, uh, some races are much faster than that, but this was a a race in very slow boats and it's and it's just absolutely fascinating reading his his uh his log and and then p- making a book out of it. It was a, a wonderful experience, and that's all from podcasting and which is part of not being completely cut off from people and being alone.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. well, and I have had the same experience with podcasting. It's been amazing to see how many different connections I've made. Sometimes it's a colleague. Sometimes it's nothing more than content from my show. But sometimes I I have ended a few where I'm like, I just met my new best friend. Like you just know after an hour that <laughs> yeah. I really like this person. And it's been really cool to see. Because one of the things I, I have a second podcast with a friend of mine and one of the topics we talked about was how do you make friends as an adult? Because a lot of people really struggle with this. And I've written a book about life after divorce. And that's one of the things I talk about there as well. I think people struggle sometimes to make that connection with other people and don't even know the first place to start. And you've hit on a few of those, like simply by going out and doing what you love to do, you will meet other people that instantly you have a common connection because you are both doing the same thing that you both love. Yeah. And it's a really great way to meet people.
1: It is. You know, you just you have to go out and do things and be active and do things you love. And then you have to take the next step, which is to introduce yourself to someone and yeah. just say hello. I mean, all it takes, yes. like I do this surfing too, uh, I just say hello. Hi, you know, my the nice, beautiful day today, isn't it? My name's Paul. And that, yeah. that's it. You know, they n- nobody ever. That yeah, doesn't
0: have to be complicated. You don't have yeah, to be no, witty. You just have to say hi. Yeah.
1: Nobody ever laughs at you. Nobody ever Nobody's yeah. ever upset or angry that you said hi to them. They always smile. It's true. And you know, it's funny, surfing, sometimes you'll see someone, like I hear I am in Central America, sometimes I'll see like a local, dark skin, black hair, tattoos, scowl, you know, angry looking face, and I'll say, buenos dias, and they'll get a big smile all of a sudden, you know, and buenos dias right back, yeah. and you know, and, and now all of a sudden, like you just broke the ice, and this person you thought yeah. was all hardcore and angry, just like by saying, isn't yeah. at all, they, they just had a, that particular that's just how you interpreted their facial expression, which might have meant something completely different to them. Yeah. uh,
0: And I always, and I also think that sometimes I like to remind myself, you never know what the other person is going through. So they could have the scowl on their face because something terrible just happened in their world or they're having a bad day. And all it took to turn it around was you saying hello or good morning and smiling at them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, and, and then, you know, like I said earlier with the other boats around me, you've, uh, to make, I, this is how it happened for me when I first started doing this, sailing, living on a boat, uh, I arrived in the Bahamas uh, on this boat, on my first journey on this boat, brand new to the game. I didn't know how any of the systems with social systems worked. And this older guy comes over to my boat in his dinghy and says, hello. And I was like, wow, here's a stranger coming over to say hello to me. This is so odd. Like, this, like that doesn't happen yeah. Like when you're at home in your house. No. Like it's rare that, like it used to, like neighbors used to, it used to be more common. But in today's yeah. world, we drive our cars into our garages and we're home and that's yep. it. In the old style, you would park your car outside and you might sit on your front porch in the evening and wave at your neighbors and they might walk over and say, hello. Like some, I've have, I've lived in communities like that actually. And, but on a boat, that's how we are. We just talk to each other. So anyway, this guy came over, I thought to myself, what am I supposed to do? I should invite him aboard. So I invite the guy aboard and he just tells me his story. He's a solo sailor. He sailed to the Bahamas from Florida. He had some rough weather. He got th- banged around. He had some stories and then he left. And, and as he left, I said to myself that I want to be like that guy. That's who I'm going to be. I, you know, like this is a new world for me yeah. sailing be- nomadically. Like I'm going to be him. I'm going to go up to strangers and say hello and just see what happens. And, and now I do it. I make a point of it. Just drive over yeah. to their boat. And if you need an icebreaker, you ask them what kind of boat they have. And then you say, well, she's a beautiful boat. And then that just works every time, you know, that works every time. Yeah. So they, they puts a big smile on their face. Oh, thank you. Would you like to come aboard? Well, sure. I'll come aboard, you know, and then, you, you know. Yeah and the guy
0: probably had no idea that he just inspired you as much as he did. You walked away from the conversation wanting to be him and he probably just was being nice and friendly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and and it's not uncommon for for sailors to do that. Um he was just the first of many that have that have come up to my boat. And and you know it's you know it's funny is that sometimes you'll drive up to somebody's boat, you have no idea who they are and they'll say Oh, are you Paul? You Paul Trammel? <laughs> yeah, in oh, fact, I Oh,
0: that's cool.
1: And they'll say, "Oh, yeah, you know, I I just s- see your post on Facebook. I knew you were here." Or something. Every now, I mean, for now like sometimes they've read my books or they listen to the podcast. But even before then, like with social media, sometimes people already know who you are. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a community, We I mean, you know, we help each other. It's the law of it's literally maritime law that you have to help people who need help you, um and we do it. It's also tradition. So, Whenever yeah. someone needs something, I was sick just recently. I was very ill for a week mm. and lots of other boats, people from their boats came over and just to check on me and ask if I needed anything from the grocery store. One guy brought me some medicine, you know, I so, said, yeah, it's how we are. So it's a nice community. So you have people.
0: indeed found your community.
1: Absolutely. I have more friends now than I've ever had. That's you know, awesome. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, because well, it so is like now, li- living in a house, it's, it is hard to make friends. You know, if you just live yeah. a standard life, you know, the people you work with, you know, the other people that live in your house. And it's hard to meet other people, Yeah, um, you know, especially if you live. I don't know. I, I would assume like in a city, for instance, where you just are, have so many people around you that no one's making eye contact and everybody's kind of trying to avoid each other. And then the smaller of a town you get into, the more everybody's more willing to uh, to say hello. That's basically what we live in as sailors. We live in these like mobile, nomadic small towns, and and we all want to know who our neighbors are.
0: Well, it's interesting because um, this nomad life is becoming more and more popular, and I think it's this sense of adventure and freedom that people are seeking. Um, But I hadn't quite made this connection until this conversation, so I'm very appreciative of this whole convo. But I would guess that they're finding more of a sense of community than they do from their old standard life. Because as you're talking about, you know, these big cities and people who are surrounded by people, and a lot of them are lonely and lost and disconnected when they're surrounded by people. And so that's interesting that this whole sense of freedom through a nomad life has really found you more of a connection to community than before.
1: It's true, and you know, the only times people always ask me if I feel lonely, and I generally don't, and that's just one of my idiosyncrasies, but the the times that I do are when I am back in the United States, and I'm anchored in a populated area, and there's people all around, and I see cars driving across bridges, and I know there's like thousands and thousands of people around, and that's when I get lonely. But yep. But when I'm out at a remote island in the Bahamas and there's nobody, that's just pure serenity, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I don't really know what that, psychologically why that is, but that's, but those are the only times that I feel lonely when I'm anchored in, in back in the U.S. Not that it has to do with the U.S., it has to do with there being tens of thousands of people all around me, you know, and none, yeah. of, and none of them are coming over to say hello.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's <laughs> part of it, but. For me I think any time that I look back in my life and I felt lonely it was because I was disconnected either from God the divine the universe whatever we want to call it or my people and it's one of and a lot of times I think nature brings us back to ourselves so that connection back to ourselves which the divine lives within all of us it's all the same thing and so I think it's we get lonely when we're disconnected and so it's which piece are you disconnected to that's what you pay attention to and I think the drive, the desire to be out in nature or the calling that you feel to go live a nomadic life, it's because you're seeking the connection to that thing that's bigger than all of us.
1: Yeah, you're right. You know, and and you just made me realize that when I feel, when I, in the situation I just described, when I feel lonely, when I'm in a a populated area back in the States, it might not have anything to do with the people. It might be just the fact that I'm cut off from nature. I'm surrounded by a town. You know, probably. You know what it is most—it's bridges. If I'm in Florida, I'm usually anchored in the intercoastal, and there's always bridges across the intercoastal, and there's always cars going across the bridges, and those cars going across the bridges represent people going to work, to me. Mm. And somehow that brings back negative emotions, and then it all kind of makes me feel cut off again. It might have something to do with being cut from nature, because when I'm in a natural area. Like Newfoundland or the Bahamas, when there's no one around, I, I feel just a wonderful, beautiful serenity that you can't get anywhere else. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I live this life. One of the reasons I love living on a sailboat is I can go find that. You can't, it's really yeah. hard to find. It's really hard to find anywhere where you're on land, especially when you're com- just completely surrounded by nature and no civilization.
0: Well, yeah. And I think this is talking to how different people are. So, for me, that, that serenity that you're describing, I connect with that during meditation. So I literally could be anywhere. It doesn't matter where I am. If I'm meditating, I am connected to that thing that you're describing, that that inner peace, that serenity. But there are times when, and I'm pretty much a city girl, but I think it's because I like the people, the connection to people. But when I feel disconnected from earth. For me, just going out and sitting in my backyard, putting my feet on the ground, sometimes is enough for me to do it, to connect back. And I think that just talks to how what works for one person doesn't work for another. And it doesn't really matter. As long as you know what the thing is for you and you make that a priority, that's what matters.
1: Yeah. And what you've just described is that we're both seeking the same thing, but you find it in, it's a matter of degree or matter of amount. You, You can find it. Without having to go to the extremes that I have to go to to find it. That's a great skill. If you can meditate and find the same serenity that I have to travel a thousand miles on my sailboat to, to find, that's a blessing. That's an absolute blessing, you know? And, it, you know, yeah, and that's. And I that's, never I, thought
0: of it that way, but yes, I suppose. Yeah,
1: it is. And I would venture to say that you're probably not, you probably don't have addiction problems either, then. Am I, am I right about that?
0: Well, I would, like to, I would like to think I don't, but I do drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, okay. Well, uh, what I was going to say is that when it comes to drugs and alcohol with me, I, I needed a lot to find the feeling I was looking for. Whereas somebody else might be able to sit down with friends and have one drink and no weed and, and get the same satisfaction that I would get from 10 beers and a joint. It's like I need to push everything to the limit, you know, like some people, for instance, have a great time at the beach, just wading out into the water maybe and and sloshing around a little bit. Whereas I have to go to the beach and I got to find like big, scary waves and try to surf them and put my life in danger. (laughs) You know, I like and someone else is having just as much fun, like laying in the sand, not in any danger at all. You know, Um, it's that's me. I'm like, just
0: (laughs) put my feet in the sand with a good book and. Uh, yep. Maybe a cocktail, and yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So one of the questions that I like to ask all of my guests is, if you were to look back to the younger you, knowing everything you know now, what advice would you give him?
1: You know, I would say avoid the alcohol and the weed and the mm-hmm. drugs. They they really are worthless in in my life, and they just caused problem after problem, and they basically just delayed all the good things. Like, Mm -hmm. like now I'm living the good life. I quit drinking at 44. And you know, I could have probably achieved a lot of things. I could have achieved a lot of goals. Every goal I went after, I probably could have achieved if I hadn't been partying so much, you know, like I wanted to be a musician and I was, I wanted to be like a big time musician. I was never big time. I was small time, but you know, but if I hadn't been drinking so damn much and getting high all the time, I I probably could have achieved that, you know, and there was a time when I wanted to be, I was a mountain bike racer, for instance, once, and I wanted to, I just wanted to be better and better. And I wanted to, you know, take, push that as far as I could. And I never, you know, I never got past the amateur category. And I look back on, I think, well, yeah, how can you expect to be any more than an an amateur athlete when you're drinking and smoking weed the night before the race? Like, Like, you're not even taking it that seriously. Anyway, that's what I would say. For my life, that the one piece of advice I would give myself is to stay away from the drugs and alcohol. They're, they, You're not going to benefit from them. They just cause trouble, you know. You know yeah. I had, to, I had well, to quit chewing tobacco. I had to quit smoking cigarettes. I had to quit alcohol. And I had to quit weed. But luckily, I was smart enough to stay away from things like cocaine and pills, you know, and the yeah. harder drugs. But uh,
0: Well, I don't know. I, I try not to have any regrets in my life. And listen, there's plenty of opportunities that I could be regretting some things. Or a lot of things, but I know from those experiences came the knowledge and wisdom I needed in order to do the next thing better. So I try not to have regrets, but yeah, sometimes I, I want to go back to the younger me and, and give her some shortcuts. You know, let me save you some pain, girlfriend.
1: <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, here we are. I, exactly. I mean, I, I regret nothing, but if I was to go back and, you know, uh, take your question yeah. literally, that's what I would have said. But no, I don't yeah. regret anything because. One of the great satisfactions in my life now is the fact that I've written two books about how to get sober, and I know that they've helped thousands of people get sober.
0: For sure.
1: And that's the best thing I've done in my life. You know, when I, if I were to die right now and be judged, that would be like my saving grace.
0: I love it. Yeah, and I think also, you know, those painful experiences, it gives us the ability to appreciate the good shit that comes next because you have something to compare it to as well. So there's value in the hard stuff because then the good stuff feels even better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and living on a boat, you're reminded of that daily. Some days are beautiful and then you'll have a couple of days where it's just rainy and windy all day and, and the boat's rocking and there's just movement and noise. and It's all day oh, long, no. you know. Nothing. That, that's no, very you. common. Yeah, I mean that's very common, but then the next day when it's calm and there's no wind or just a little bit enough little breeze to be cool, but the water's calm and the sun's out and you can see the bottom and there's fish and there's you can hear some parrots fly by and you see the green trees in the jungle and you see the mountains, and you're just like, "my god, this is the most beautiful thing in the whole world." And part of that is because yeah. of the contrast to yesterday. If yesterday was just as good and every day, then you'd forget about it. you you wouldn't appreciate that. Yep. So, yeah, we're reminded that of that in extremes especially if you sail like for a week at a time if you do a long passage try to sail for a thousand miles for instance you might be terrified and miserable for a, a day or two you know that's not uncommon and then you'll have a beautiful day where it's the most wonderful thing in the world uh, yeah we're we are reminded of that concept of you know it's the contrast that allows you to appreciate the good things
0: yep it's true well so when you look forward to future goals or plans, what do you now believe is possible for your own life?
1: You know, what I believe is possible is that I am going to be able to perpetuate this lifestyle for as long as I want by writing books. People are buying my books now and I'm, you know, I'm I'm able to make a living writing. It's, It's an absolute dream. It's an absolute dream come true. And it was a long shot in the beginning, you know, when I told my family, I'm going to sell my house and buy a sailboat and I'm going to be an author. You know, yep. I, when, at, the t- at the time I told them that I had three books that were published and selling. So it wasn't like a total shot in the dark, but, it, but you know, you're taking a big risk when you do that. And yeah, But I now see that it's not only possible, but likely that it's going to work and I'm going to be able to continue living this life as long as I want. And continue to maintain and upgrade my sailboat and uh, that's all I need I don't need yeah I don't need a fan I don't need a car at all I don't know not only do I not yeah. need, need a fancy car I don't need a car I like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I need a dinghy I need a little boat with an outboard motor you know which is kind of like a car but it's a uh, much less expensive and uh, yeah I don't need much I need a couple of surfboards a sailboat a dinghy my computer Starlink yeah spearfishing gear and uh, that's basically it you know food
0: yeah Well, and listen, I probably have some people listening who want to write a first book and they have a book calling to them. What would you tell them?
1: Yeah, I would say dedicate a little bit of time every day and believe in yourself and sit down and get to work. Don't wait for inspiration. Treat it like a job. Yes. Like it's time to sit down and get to work. One of the hardest things about writing a book is clicking on the little word icon on your computer. It's like you turn the computer on and you think, well, I'm going to check my email first. Let me see. Oh, I had this other idea. I have a little idea I want to look at. Let me see. Hold on. I'm going to shop a little bit. I'm going to look at. Yep. And, you, and that little word icon is staring at you from the bottom of your computer the whole time. And all you got, and you, then you think, yeah, I'll, I'll write. And then you think, well, wait a minute. What, what am I going to write? I don't know how the, where the story goes. It's like just open Word and yep. get to yep. work. You know, you, you yep. got to treat it like a job, like a part-time job. And if you commit to that, it gets easier and it becomes habit. And then it's not a big deal to open Word. You just do it every day. you write and then the other piece of advice i would say is when you're finished writing your book you're like consider that you finished writing your first draft that's your first draft now you got to spend a lot of time editing it and i mean i'm talking a lot like enough so much time editing that that it's going to make your head spin you've got basically i would say once i've written a first draft for one of my books i'll read over that first draft and edit it at least a dozen times. And I'll hand it off to other people and let them read. And then I'll take breaks from it. You know, you you think it's done, you think it's pretty good, give it a couple of weeks and come back and read it again. Because you're going to get ideas and you're going to keep making it better. And you don't want to go through all that and publish something unless it's the the very best you could do. Yeah, those are my two pieces of advice. Don't wait for inspiration. Sit down and get to work. Treat it like a part-time job. And spend way more time editing than you ever thought that you would, you know, give the whole project like at least a year, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good advice. And I agree with all of it. I got to the point where I was like, I do not want to read this book one more time. I am so done reading my own words.
1: (laughs) Oh, that, yeah, that, that happens over and over again. Yeah. It's useful for me, who is just an author, to have two, two projects going at once. And that way you Mm. you get sick of one and you know, it's not finished, but you know that you can't read it again. So you just go work on your other one for a little while until you're sick of it yeah. and you go back to the other one. So usually I have a nonfiction and a fiction project going at both times, going at all times, and I can switch from one to the other. So I never prematurely pretend like I'm finished with one.
0: Yeah. And I think people don't pay enough attention to the whole take a break. There's such value in walking away from something and getting a breather go get in nature whatever you need to do and then come back with a clear mind because when you've written the words and you've read the words and you've edited them you you quit seeing them and so being able to go away from it and come back to it you fresh eyes you can see it differently
1: yeah that's the truth yeah you got to you've got to take breaks once in a while and you have to give your work to other people to edit uh especially oh, the, yes. uh, the spell checking and such because our our minds will Fill in the blanks where letters are missing, and you you won't yeah, realize. Totally,
0: it. yeah. Well, listen, this has been such a really like such a fun conversation. I I'm so glad that you came on the show. My last question for you is, how can my listeners find you?
1: Yeah, the easiest way is to go to my website paultrammel dot com. That's my last name it was P A U L T R A M E L dot com. Uh, all my books are on Amazon, so you can and uh, in Audible. So you can, find, uh, you can find me there too. But everything's on paultrammel.com, both my podcasts, all my books, my, my collection of, of photos of fish <laughs> from the Bahamas uh-huh. that I've taken, various things like that too. My newsletter, I, I put out a monthly newsletter that includes a, a short story every month. Cool. So that's, yeah, it's all on my website, paultrammel.com.
0: I love it. Well, thank you again for being with me today. It was such a pleasure to meet you and I'm so grateful that you spent time with me.
1: Thank you, Shauna. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it, too.
0: Did you like this episode or did you love it? Inquiring minds want to know. The best way to support this show is to subscribe and leave a review. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.